Hey everybody and happy new year. Welcome back to the Arizona Field Podcast. Today we're sitting down with, or actually I should say last week I sat down with Josh Kirshner, uh, better known as the Dialed In Hunter. So Josh is a repeat customer of ours now. Uh, he was on episode 12, which was recorded back in March. I think the pod, yeah, I'm looking at it now, the podcast was released March 1st of 2021. So it's been a little while. So it was awesome to sit down and catch up with Josh. And on the first podcast we did together, we talked about bear hunting. And on this one, we talked about just about everything under the sun as far as the January hunts. We talked about uh, hunting OTC deer, javelina, getting into the spring bear seasons. Uh, Just a nice catch-up, great conversation. And I don't want to leak too much, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I suppose we should probably just jump right into it. Yeah, let's take her away, man. All right. So we are here again today. Um, it's one thing I did not look into was which episode you've been on before, but <laughs> we are with a repeat customer today, uh, Mr. Josh Kirchner, the dialed-in hunter. Uh, Josh, I, we, I know we've done this before, but for folks that might not know who you are, you want to give us a little rundown on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, bird's eye view. Um, yeah, Josh Kirchner lived down here in Arizona. Uh, avid hunter, um, freelance writer, photographer, make videos and stuff. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's me in a nut, in a nutshell. That's I just do a bunch of that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I know I've been reading your stuff way before I knew who you were. Uh-huh. Um, cause I mean, you you write for I mean, freelance writing and, yeah. um, you're kind of, I think you've kind of gotten a name as a bear guy, mostly down that's, in Arizona. That's that's me. Yeah, you've got <laughs> kind of that niche that you kind of drive into. But I mean, being a a bow hunter in Arizona, I mean, I think everybody with a bow down here is, you know, we're all kind of enamored with the deer. Too. Oh yeah, um, sure, sure. You know, the, the little white tails and the, mm-hmm. a little bit bigger muleys. They're not northern muleys, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit bigger. Um, but that's what. I'd like to do a little bit of chatting today about you know what's coming up for this season and uh i mean january 1 is right around the corner yeah yeah another year behind us it's crazy how fast this year has gone by man <laughs> it's i always heard folks saying you know growing up the older you get the faster the time goes by and i always thought they were full of it and yeah they weren't <laughs> i think i think it's because when you get older you, you have you're having more fun because yeah. you have more freedom than when you're a kid so how I see it is like you know when you're having fun, time flies by pretty fast. You know? Yeah, no, and that's and that's fully it. Cause I mean, it's, it's I swear, opening day of quail was last week. Yeah, you know, and that was back, you know, a month and a half ago now. Oh, almost two months, almost two and a half months ago. I now. feel like I was spring bear hunting just a, just a couple yeah, of weeks it's, back. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like man, I was just sticking a pig with my bow. Yeah, you know, that was in February. Yeah, you know, it was, or no, January. I had, a, I had the January tag this year, but uh, no, it's just been flying by. So, I guess a little bit of an update. Like, what have you been up to? Like, chasing anything good? Or? Um, yeah, I have. I've been kind of all over the place. I went to started the year out here in at home. You know, hunted deer and javelina. Had a good good hunt. Killed a good buck. Um. And then I uh, I went over to Idaho for spring bear, 
up in there. That was my first uh, bear hunt in Idaho. Had a blast, man. Backpacked into some absolutely wicked backcountry. Yeah. And um, ended up just, you know, airballing two bullets over <laughs> over two bears, you know. So it happens, you know, but I had a good hunt. Um, some Just some incredible, incredible country that is just a uh, a night and day difference from from here in arizona you know oh yeah yeah i mean it's it's always so i lived up there for a year mm-hmm. and i know it's the gem state and i was yep. kind of jokingly kind of not jokingly say it's, it's, it's kind of like the hidden gem of of the, the u.s yeah yeah um, just talked right you know you're in the, the pacific northwest but you, you know you still got the rockies and yep. it's just a just a beautiful, beautiful state. Yeah, my Idaho friends aren't gonna like me uh, touting about Idaho. <laughs> well, they're already sold out of their OTC tags, so they're working. Yeah. On it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, chasing bears around up there. Um, came back home, did a bunch of bear hunting at home. I killed a great bear um, on the fall hunt here on the on the prickly pears. That was a really cool hunt with a great friend. Uh, wicked wicked pack out took nine hours to get him out of where he was and um did some elk hunting in idaho as well uh buddy shot a cow so we split that split the meat and stuff and um nice and uh did some deer hunting in utah for early season missed a buck over there (laughs) so i'm starting to see a trend here there's you know what (laughs) uh it's been a rough year for misses (laughs) Was that was with the rifle? Uh, no. So I missed the 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 bears. I missed with the with a rifle. The the um the deer I missed with my bow. Oh, okay. so yeah, that was a heartbreaker. On like the last day of the hunt, last evening, you know, it was like one of those types of deals. Um, yeah. Hail Mary. Yeah. Yep. Sat on them, you know, for you know over an hour. Sat above them, you know, waiting for him to get up, and he walked out just like he should have, and pulled back, and you know. Yeah, didn't hit him. <laughs> so. It's it's. I mean, what's we'll I think it's kind of almost a cliche at this point, but it's. What do they always say? It's if you've never missed, you had not hunted long enough, mm-hmm. you're a liar. Yeah, yeah. No, I was on a streak there uh, for a bit I, of not missing, er, not wounding anything. And <laughs> this year, I was kind of like uh, reminded that that stuff is still very possible. Oh yeah, it's still <laughs> it's still real world. It's <laughs> you know. So, uh, but it's okay. It's all part of it. You know, like each miss you have, each each mess up out in the field is is just a uh, another stepping stone to being a better hunter, in my opinion. You know, yeah. they all have their lessons. I mean, it's always, you learn more. Yeah. Yeah, you learn more from your failures than you do ever from your successes. Oh, yeah, you go out there on, on opening day and you shoot shoot a, a big, giant buck. I mean, that's awesome, but... Yeah, what'd you learn? What'd you learn from that, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... Yeah, we see the same thing, the same, you know... It's those deer hunts ain't so hard. So yeah, you try doing it when it's twenty below zero and you're you're you know snowed in someplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then tell me it ain't so hard. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Now it's uh, end of the year. I had an elk hunt too here in Arizona. That was fun. Um, just uh, saw a lot of elk. Just never uh, never could get a shot off. We were talking before the podcast, and both of us kind of had the same experience, yeah. chasing bulls around with a bow, and uh, was in bow range multiple times, and just couldn't buy a shooting lane. You know, that's these bulls. These late season bulls are hanging out in this real thick, uh, 
vegetation, nasty canyons. They don't want to be bothered. So finding these openings to s sneak an arrow through is pretty difficult. Oh, right. I mean, if one of you guys try to get in on them yeah. in range, and then, you know, your shooting lanes are just so tight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes, you know, deer hunting back east look like a like a, yeah. you know, a walk in the park kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Cause yeah, you, gotta, yeah. you don't have to, you know, thread the needle at nearly as much. Yeah. The last day, my last evening, I had a, I did have a shot opportunity, but it was, um, it was just a bad angle on the animal. And yeah. I've tracked too many wounded bulls to yeah. make the decision to pull back on them. So that was it. Yeah. Went home and had a good holiday with my family. It's not a bad way to, no, man. to end that one. Because I had the same thing with, so I had a, a muzzleloader cow tag this mm -hmm. year. I can't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast already or not, but I had this muzzy cow tag this year, and my dad flew in from, from New York to help me with it. First mm -hmm. time he's ever hunted in the West. And we had a similar thing where I had five cows. We, we turned this corner, and there was five cows at sixty between 60 and 85 yards. Yep. And uh, it was like somebody took – a page right out of a do not shoot example from Hunter Ed. <laughs> I had hard quarter two. I had hard quarter away. I had tre a tree in front of one, and I was I was just put my thumb on the on the hammer to shoot this cow at sixty yards. And I like low power scopes. I've mm -hmm. never been a big high mag yeah. guy. And uh, so the scope was only on. It's a two to seven. I think I had it between like four and five x. And I saw movement off the corner of the scope. And it was a, a yearling behind the cow picking its head up. I never knew it was there. Oh, man. You know, and shooting a 300-grain copper at 60 yards, it's going to go through. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. So it was – and then got busted yep. after that and then never had a shot. So it was a year of learning. That's hunting, man. Yeah, it's, that's it's, hunting. Uh, it's all part of it, you know. So Yeah. Um, so we're here going to sit down and talk about – January. Yeah. I mean, it's a new year. Um, I mean, Arizona runs off the calendar year mm -hmm. for our for our tags. Not the licenses. I should say that part. Yeah, yeah. Um, but kind of some changes to January. Yep. Um, yep. A lot of people are not happy. <laughs> yeah. It's... Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's, that's, yeah. Some people are very happy and some people are not. And it's... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, for folks... I guess you'd almost have to live under a rock at this point. Cause I, I, I swear this has gotten more publication on the national scene than anything yeah. else in Arizona lately. Is um, We're talking about the Trocan ban. Yep, yep. Uh, so starting January 1st, for the purpose of take, there is no Trocan usage in yep. Arizona. Yep, yep. It is, it is gone. Uh, they... <sighs> the guidelines on... <laughs> When you can use trail cameras, I think, are going to still keep a lot of people putting cams out, in all honesty. Yeah. I've talked to the Game of Fish about this, and I'm like, I don't – I like this. Um, I just don't I just don't see how you're going to enforce it. I, I, I really don't. You know, like, I, it's – I mean, you can still use trail cameras for – enjoyment photography and uh research research protecting private property yeah. um so i feel like there's a lot of people that are going to become photographers quote unquote <laughs> and they're gonna still keep cams out i i'd like to i'd like to, i usually like to give most people the benefit of the doubt and i think there's there's going to be well over a fair share of people that stop using them 
I still think there's going to be camps out there. I, I, I would put money down that I'm still going to go out and find trail cameras on especially secluded water sources. Maybe they won't be on water tanks anymore. Yeah, but your seeps and springs. and Yeah, these places that are hard to get to that are in, there's no way the game and fish is going to meet up with somebody <laughs> there. You know, I don't want to. I, I don't want to put any ideas in people's heads or anything like that. Okay, but I'm just trying to be honest about the whole thing. You know, it, it, it's, it's a. I think they're walking kind of a thin line with the law uh, there, um, and it's going to be interesting to kind of see where that goes in the next few years. Yeah, I think it, interesting is the right word, and like I said, I think the f- people are going to take the photography. Um, yeah, it's just going to. Like it's it's one rabbit hole I've been trying to avoid going down, but at the same time you can't you can't avoid it. No, you can't. I you know I I've always run trail cameras. Uh, really, I, I mean, purely out of enjoyment. Like in all honesty, like I I really enjoy getting pictures of animals. Um, this year though, for 2022, I have a I drew an archery spring bear tag here in Arizona, which is heavily heavily focused on water. You, you're getting to hunt these bears during the hottest, driest time of the year, and a a tried and true method of killing bears that time of year is by running cameras on water and yeah. finding that hot water source. And and so, um, before the ban, dude, I was totally planning to to use cameras on that. You know what I mean? Like, why not? Like, find the find the good the right water source and set up. And so then you know when you're sitting there for 13 hours a day that you're sitting there for a good reason, right? Right. Um, but uh, not going to be able to do that this year. So I think uh, for so for for that for a hunt that already has an extremely low harvest rate, um, it's going to be pretty. I'm pretty interested to see what happens to that. I mean, it might drop to in flatline. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> right? Because that's an archery tag. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, that's it's hard essentially enough it's as a rut it is. Hunt. I mean, it's essentially it's a rut hunt for. Yeah. For bolt for bear. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So it's going to be, and it, like you said, because Arizona doesn't have a huge bear hunting community anyways no it's pretty small tight-knit group of dudes yeah at least the guys that are that are harvesting bears you know on a consistent basis yeah yeah it's not so much like the incidentals like mm-hmm. oh there's one i got a bear tag and right you know let it let it fly yep uh yeah so it's gonna there's gonna be some pretty interesting changes yeah and then come and uh I don't think it's going to affect the deer hunting as much. No, no not I, not the not the OTC seasons. As no, much. maybe like the August. May, yeah, August for sure, because a lot of guys are sitting water. They're setting up salt. A lot of guys hunt yeah. over hunt over salt, um, so it's definitely going to affect that. Um, but um, yeah, it's I don't know. We'll see. It, who knows? I mean, maybe 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 the law goes away in a couple of years because they realize they can't enforce right. it anyways. Right. Or it's going to be a or I mean they, maybe they just do a flat out ban all across the board. I think that's that's like the only way to really be like no, we're not going to use trail cameras. Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, other states have done it. I mean, um, Montana does a season. Yeah, yeah. I, be, I believe Nevada is the same way. Like you, you have to have your cameras pulled by a certain date. Can't run them during hunting season. Yeah, that might work, but you're still kind of well, especially this. in Arizona when we have uh, it's well, there's a big game season every month of the year. Yeah, there is. I mean, you have like well, June, July, you got the bear hunts. Mm-hmm. You got June, you have the the North Rim bison hunt. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and by the time you're into August, you're right back into pronghorn and, and uh, early white or early deer, not just white tails. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Then you roll right back in March. You got bear. May you've got bear and turkey. And yeah, January deer and pig. February's pig. March yep. is bear. April bear. May bear. You know, turkeys. So, thanks for, for fantastic opportunities down here. Oh yeah. So, I mean, depending on what you draw, I mean, you can hunt. Yeah, we should probably start, stop talking about that, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're done. All right, so going to the newest opportunity. <laughs> Actually, it's a, no, no, it's that's, a, that's it, been a big topic a, lately too. It is, it is. Arizona flies under the radar, but there's definitely like a lot of opportunity to get out and have some fun. So yeah, well, luckily this isn't a national podcast. We're this is, I think mo- I'm assuming most folks that are listening to this are yeah either they they they're doing the research, which they already know about Arizona's opportunity, or right. you know they live here, which they already know about the opportunity. Um. But yeah, there's probably somebody out there probably saying, you know, get to the freaking deer hunting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, so guys. Jaden won, you know, on, on top of the trail cam deal. Uh, that's opening day mm-hmm. of deer and uh, drawn Havilina. pig tags. Yep. Yep. Which I guess somebody's going to yell that it's not pigs, but whatever. We'll get past that. Yeah. Everyone uh, calls them pigs. It's, it's, it's like coos and cows. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Or cows, or there's, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I mean, just because of my background, I gotta throw it out there. Hovland, I mean, I always kind of figure pigs, stink pigs. Mm-hmm. It's like saying a, you got you got monkeys in India, you got monkeys in Brazil. Yeah, they're both monkeys, but one's old world, one's new world. Uh-huh. And that's all a hobby is. Is it's right. a Tassea suidae versus old world pig, which is suidae, so scrufa. Yeah, um, but they got their own. Their own little quirks going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the little buggers. They're they're the you know what man for uh, for like a bow hunter, they are uh, perfect for like new bow hunters to cut their teeth spot and stock hunting. Yeah, very like lot of opportunity. Uh, they're not super hard to get in on as long as you've got the wind. You got the wind in your favor. You can you can walk pretty much right up on them. You still got to be sneaky, right? But it's yeah. but it's a great opportunity for somebody to like to test the waters of how to stock game yes you know a great practice and there's so many techniques that work too for yeah for javelina yeah yeah so, i mean you got like the with the whitetails or just this january hunts over the or in general um glassing mm-hmm. is the name of the game yep uh but with january with the with the javelina tags i felt like i love still hunting the washes oh Cool. I love just getting down in the bottoms, and I grew up as a still hunter, mm-hmm. so I love just walking the bottoms with my bow. And it's, like, a, it's a lost art, man. It's a lot of fun, <laughs> man. Oh man, just you know, getting in tight. You know, my first one I ever was able to harvest here was like that. I walked in and uh, I looked up and he walked out. And it was a he. It walked out of the behind this um, Palo Verde at mm-hmm. twenty five yards, mm-hmm. and you know, closed that down to. Uh, I think I shot him at 18 yards, oh, and but yeah, that's still high. It's but it's a fan for folks that aren't maybe they want to do something more active than, than spot and stock. Yep. Um, than glassing. Yep. It's a fantastic opportunity, like you said, for especially for getting folks into the bow hunting world. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can get in so tight. I mean, the they have a smaller vital zone. Yeah. But you get in so tight that 
you know, you can easily practice that shot at 20, 30 yards. Oh, yeah. And it's, a, it's not a hard shot to yeah, make. Yeah, you don't need to be sending 80-yard bombs at Havelina. Like, you can get in you can get in real tight on those things. Yeah. I mean, even the, the folks with firearms, I mean, it's a – you see a lot of lever actions. Yep. Um, Handguns. Yep. Um, I mean, I got a ham tag this year, and I'm fully planning on – I mean, I'll have – I'm not sure if I'll take the, mo- the bow or the muzzleloader. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to take my 9 mil. Yeah. And that was a 20 yards. I got – Every face in the world in that nine mil. There you go. <laughs> so that's what I'm playing. If it's, if it's past twenty yards, like yes, the thirty or so, yeah, I'll probably launch one with the with the muzzy or with the with the bow. But yeah, yeah. Inside of that, I'm mm-hmm. probably gonna try either nine mil or I got a little forty five though. Oh, cool. I might try out <laughs> just because my grandfather bought it for me, and I like to get one with get one with that. Heck yeah, but, man. Uh, Heck yeah. Um, but yeah, so with deer, mm-hmm. um. And I love that you had a, you put up an Instagram post about this a couple of days ago, uh, talking about like the glassing. Yep. Um, so, f- what is your preferred? Because uh, folks always get so gear enamored, gear focused. Yep. What's your like go-to rig? We'll call it for glassing, like your optics and. So. Um for me, I really, I really enjoy uh, a ten by forty-two binocular. The the fifteen by fifty-six runs the Coos Hills. Okay, yeah. <laughs> most guys are using using fifteen by fifty-six binoculars, and it's for good reason. I like a ten by forty-two just because it's it's smaller. Yeah. I do a lot of backpack hunting, so weight is a is a concern to me. I like those on my chest, as they're not too heavy, but they still offer like a wide field of view. And, and I can, you know, plenty of punch where I can put them on a, on a tripod and really scan around. Yep. Um, <laughs> sorry guys. Yeah. This is what editing is for. I had to do some of that. Um, but, uh, I'll also carry along with that. I'll carry, uh, I like a, I've kind of experimented with the different sizes of spotting scopes and stuff like that. Coos deer are real small. So with a 10 by 42, one of the disadvantages of a 10 by 42 is if a deer is really far away, sometimes you can't necessarily tell if he's a buck or not because their antlers are small, especially if he's in some thick stuff, which oftentimes they are. So, um, I used to run a 50 millimeter spotter spot and scope, which was good, real good for backpack hunting, very small. However, it doesn't offer a, a wide field of view, so it's a little harder to look through. So you get kind of like a tunnel vision thing going on when you're looking through it. Right. So I moved to a 65 millimeter, which I've really liked. It's a little bigger. I think I feel like it's the best of both worlds between like a lot of magnification, mm-hmm. and but it still fits in a pack good. You know, it keeps the weight try, it keeps the weight down more than a 95 will or an 85 or something like that. Um, and that thing can really, I've never, ever, ever had an issue putting that thing on a tripod and not being able to tell what I'm looking at in the Coos Hills. Okay. So, um, yeah, good. And great field of view on the 65 too. I, I feel like I can look through it for a long period of time, which is really important for coos deer hunting. Yes. Coos deer hunting, it is, it is, especially during January, this is not a set up in the morning glass, go back to camp, eat, go back out in the evening hunt. This is a, we're, 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 we're hunting during the rut. So bucks are moving all throughout the day. Yep. So this is a set up in the morning, sit down all day yep. type of thing. 
Um, so being able to have a system that you can uh, have confidence in that you're not going to go through a bottle of Advil a day. Yes. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and that is going to allow you the clarity and give you the detail to really look into these fine-tuned areas, these little cuts and stuff that these bucks get held up in. They're very, a very small deer, so they disappear very easily. So being able to peer into these real dense areas with these optics is, is absolutely crucial. So for the folks that might be just getting into it, when you, so we're saying, like you said, everybody's running 15 by 56s yeah. for good reason. But with dropping down to a 10 by 42, do you think you lose range? Like how far are you glassing on average? I, the, I've gla- with a 10 by 42, I've glassed deer two miles away. The good thing about the rut is that usually the deer are being, they're pretty active. They are going to bed down eventually, but when you're, when you're talking that like morning time, late morning, I mean, they're going to be out in the open feeding. Bucks are going to be pushing does all over the place. They'll be running all over the place in these grasslands yeah. that we have. Um, so, get a, so with a higher FOV, you're really pick, be able to pick up the extra movement. Exactly. And that's where the tripod is vital. Yes. is being able to see that movement. And then once I do find, so I might not be able to tell what the deer are from a mile, two miles away, mm-hmm. like if it's a buck or not, but I'll be able to tell that there's deer there. So once I that happens, then I'll get out the spot and scope and then I'll be like, oh, that is a, you know, that is a buck or whatever. Yeah. So. All right. So we're, we're pretty similar though. Cause I've been going like, so I've got a pair of 15s mm-hmm. that I run and I've only been doing this a few years, mm-hmm. but the more I do it, the more I find myself leaving them in the pack mm-hmm. and throwing. I, I prefer ten fifties. Okay, yeah, cool. But same, same, same ordeal. Of, yep. Um, but throwing the ten fifties on on the tripod mm-hmm. and then doing the same thing. You know, granted, I haven't stuck a mule yet or mm-hmm. a, a western deer yet, mm-hmm. but I find, I keep finding myself doing the exact same thing. Is I've really preferred dropping down that extra size. Just because you're getting so much more brightness, and then, like, it's January. It's not. So where I think a lot of folks get hung up in the 15s is when you're reading about Arizona hunting, we have three OTC seasons for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a mixture of the information from both. So it's the guys hunting August, um, in which they're, you know, it's bachelor groups. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the they're in the brush a lot more, not moving a whole lot, where you got to. You got to cut up the country mm-hmm. a little bit more, and then going into the October, November, where they're starting to move a little bit more, but not a whole lot. They're still pretty much summer patterned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get into this, where it's like being, like comparing optics. I think it is a different game um, in my eyes. I think I think it's um, how I've always looked at it. Is there's uh, the question that you that I used to see constantly on hunting forums is should I get a spot and scope and binoculars or should I just get 15s? Yeah. So there are some guys out there that are solely running 15s for everything and that's fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? I personally just like being able to use the binoculars in a wider variety of situations. That smaller um, magnification offers more field of view. Yeah. Okay. So I can glass in close. So it's 
it's coming down more to personal taste yeah, yeah. than anything else. That's really what it's, it is. But it's like comparing like if a guy that runs a ball head versus a pan head yeah. on their tripod. I mean, it's going to be what works for you, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which I know I haven't made that choice yet. Yeah, um, I you know, I I, uh, I despise a ball head. See, I went <laughs> so I I went pan head first, and then the last two years I've ran a ball head, uh-huh. and this year I'm going back to the pan. Yeah, and my ball head is reserved for photography. Oh, that's, yeah, it's, <laughs> that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. But yeah. it was nice, you know, on those on that weird terrain because I don't have a, a leveler mm-hmm. on on my pan head yet. Um, so I was having issues with with my I wasn't learning the tripod how to run the legs yet so yeah, i was yeah, finding yeah. myself in these weird positions yep. and you know you got glass but your you know your head's you know five degrees to the left mm-hmm. trying to like look at this mountainside yeah. here you know it's um where the ball head kind of was like yeah i can kind of but then you try to you try to uh grid with that mm-hmm. and you're running into a whole set of like i was running into a whole set of issues where i could not keep a straight line yeah i used to use a ball and that's that was the frustration i had with yeah. it was being able to i call it organizing the mountains with oh, your with your glass like yeah. with a ball it's just harder to be precise on yeah. where your binoculars are you lose your position easier yeah. where you are um i lost deer more than a few times because of that, you know, being like, oh, dang it, where was he, you know, with this other thing, I can lock it right in place, and I don't have to worry about that, and I can, you know, um, you know, like, so on a pan head, uh, there's two different locks. You can either, you can lock it vertically, you can lock it side by side, so you can make the decision, oh, I want to stay on this elevation band. So I'll lock, you know, lock that one down, and then just pan you know, horizontally, yeah. right? So, which I mean, cause, I mean that's you've really gotta. I like that. I never thought of it that way, but I like that organizing the mountain. Yeah, yep. I mean, cause that's really what you're. I mean, somebody's kind of referred to the old like. I think it, I don't know if it came from Dwayne Adams or or the gridding the mountain mm-hmm. came from. Like who started that? You know who who coined that term? My my favorite term from Dwayne is the angle of the dangle. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The angle of the dangle. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh especially, you know, so this January hunt here, you're I mean, the area that I'm going into, I'm leaving in a couple of days on a hunt, yep. you know, and where I'm going, there's a bunch of country. So being able to efficiently glass all that, having having something like what you're talking about, like a like a head, like a pan head where you can really be like, no, no, no. I've covered that area right there. It's time to move to the next one. Yeah. That's super important, man, because those coos deer, they're so dang small. Yeah. You know, you could you gloss over them in a heartbeat, you know? Um, whereas with the other system, I was like, I, I seriously found myself being like, did I? Yeah, did I look at this? Did order? I look at that, you know? So, yeah. So, how, when you're glassing, how many times do you go over the same mountain before you say, okay, I think I'm done here. Let's go try something else. Here's here's the frustrating thing about coos deer. <laughs> um, this is why I want to bring it up. I've I have had I've, I've I've witnessed this myself. I've witnessed other people do this. It's really entertaining for me when somebody from out of state comes hunting with me, and they go, "No, no, no, there's no deer there." Yeah. And I'm like, "No, you didn't look hard enough." And then I sit down and I go, "Oh, there's 20 deer right there." Yeah. Here's the thing, man. Like. 
you can literally sit in one spot from sunup to sundown in January and not, and not move. And if you're not seeing anything, I'm going to tell you to look again. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think there's a fair bit of strategy involved in that to be able to do that. But if you're looking at the right country, and I'll explain that in a second. Okay. If you're looking at the right country, um, there is no reason why you couldn't sit in one spot from sunup to sundown and watch deer bed and feed. A really great way to do that that I found is looking at um, like an, like take like like an east face, which means that the main ridge is north and south running. Does that make sense? So you're looking at an east face and there's fingers coming down towards you, right? Now you're looking at each one of those sides of those fingers. Let me know if I, I lose you here. Okay. Each side of those fingers is a north and a south face, which means that the north face is generally thicker and the south face is open. Yeah. So what you have here is you have the ability to watch deer feed and bed come out to feed and bed all in the same view okay you can do the same thing with a west face and you can do the same thing <laughs> this is gonna be really confusing i do it on south facing stuff too when there's fingers because then as so the sun moves it's all I, about the sun so just um so say that so we're at the ben avery yeah. We're over here at the, at the archer range in this coffee can here. Yep. So say this notebook is the ridge. Like say that band is the ridge. Yeah. And that coffee can is north. Okay. Are you saying the ridge is going like this or it's like this? The, yeah, the main ridge would be running like this, north and south. Right, and these fingers would be coming towards fingers you. Fingers coming down this way. That's what I saw. So I now sure. you have this side of the ridge is north, this is south. Yeah. So you can witness both sides the deer going back and forth when you're like this and you're looking at a south face now you're looking at east and west sides of the hill yeah. which it's not as prominent but the same thing can happen there because the sun moves overhead right and it creates right. shade on each side one of those hills you know so you can watch and and t just during the rut it's chaos <laughs> okay so deer can literally be anywhere at this time of year but generally what i would do is if you like a good way to like cover country if you've never been somewhere okay you find a main ridge okay that you can kind of work along throughout the day yeah set up for an hour glass if you don't see anything move down set up for an hour glass just just do that all day long but you need to be okay with the fact that you are not seeing all the deer that's like <laughs> <laughs> seriously yeah ser i mean they, these coos like it is it, it's uncanny how they hide um so but i have faith though if you are looking during an active time of day like you know first thing in the morning in the evening you should see something, man, right. up walking around. So f focus on feeding features, focus on bedding features, um, and, uh, and, and just put the time in. It, 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 more, I think the thing that, that ends uh, hunts for people out here a lot of times during this time of year is just patience, lack of patience. Yeah, because, I mean, that's one thing I, I've seen on 
especially from folks either new to the state or hunting as a non-res, mm-hmm. is you'll see them on you know the Facebook groups or on the forums and say, hey, I've been down here for five days. I've hunted this unit, this unit, this unit. Mm-hmm. It's like, why? I don't understand why they're moving units. Yeah. I mean, they're going 50 miles when they should have gone 50 feet. Yeah. In, in, in my opinion, because it's... I mean, there's definitely different deer densities throughout the state. Right, but stuff. Like, I've, like, I haven't seen anything. I've seen a couple of does. And I think... Uh, yeah, so if you find that, that's yeah. the key this time of year. Right. Is does. I, and I've sent I've sent more people than I can count into areas where I know that there's like several groups of does, yeah. and they just don't they don't stick around too long they don't stick around long enough to f- see the buck come out and I tell yeah. him I'm like no he's there you are just not seeing him yes. he is there yeah. he's always there because um, I mean it's I think the biggest thing that's that's kind of flipped it for me in in hunting the West is that. To me, it's the same as hunting in the east, with a caveat. Yeah, it's the same, but the scale is different. Mm-hmm. Like we're hunting instead of hunting hundred acres, mm-hmm. you know, you're hunting thousands or, or yeah, hundreds of thousands yeah. of acres. So your scale is bigger. But like one trick, my old man always taught me was like if you've seen deer, especially mm-hmm. does in the rut, mm-hmm. don't give up on that spot till for four days because. Mm-hmm. With eastern whitetails, those bucks are making rotations. Yeah, they're scent checking. Yeah, yeah. so they're hitting their, their home ranges. Mm-hmm. And if you don't see after four days, all right, change spots. Mm-hmm. And I kind of figure it's everybody wants to put this mysticism around coos, mm-hmm. but they're still a whitetail. Yeah. So my head is they're still behaving the same as a whitetail, but your scale is different. Yeah. So your cover, I mean, your scale is bigger too. In that, you know, instead of seeing sixty yards, you know, you're hunting half a mile to two yeah. miles away. But he's still making those rotations. He's still checking. I mean, he because he without covering ground, he's he's not going to find that hot doe. No, and I, they, so I I mentioned something in that article that you you I think you mentioned earlier that I just wrote. Um, I call them buck ridges. Yeah, bucks yeah. will like. And whitetails do the same thing, like eastern whitetails. Like, they'll run a ridge, and they'll run that thing and and uh, be able to scent check doe bedding areas, okay, yeah. from, like, thermals moving up the hill and stuff. Yeah. So they'll run back and forth on these. They, they make these routes around. So your preseason scouting for this hunt really needs to be focused on where the does are. Yeah. Okay, and don't don't worry. So many people, man. Like I go out scouting, they're like, "Oh, did you see any bucks?" I'm like, "No, I don't. I don't want to see any bucks right now right. They, because wherever the bucks are before season, that's not where they're going to be come the rut." Right. You know, so you want to find several groups of does and keep tabs on those things because if, I promise you, eventually the buck is going to show up, yeah. and and he might he might hit all three three of those groups. Okay, and there, and there's probably going to be multiple bucks. But you need to keep tabs on those because that's where they're gonna be. Yeah, you gotta keep tabs on the does, and then it's those routes in between them. It's yeah, cause that's where you're gonna catch them in my eyes. Yeah, you know he's gonna he's gonna come out of that bottom someplace. He's gonna be running that ridge. Mm-hmm. Um, so and one of the, like white white tails in general doesn't matter where you're hunting them. They never, you almost never see them skyline, especially bucks in 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 my limited. Mm-hmm. And western, but 
like we used to find buck trails all the time. We call them a buck trail. Just be a less beat down. Like you'd have like on a, on a ridge top, you'd have a beat down trail, mm-hmm. and you'd see does on it time after time after time. But you sit it in a tree stand, and then all of a sudden it's like, what's that movement? You know, just see a tine. Like just just the very top of his rack moving mm-hmm. down those hex. They they don't want to sky. They want to stay down below. And I haven't noticed that too much to be now completely it's much honest. With, the white, with these white tails, no, because because I think during the rut they don't really care. Maybe they maybe that is a, they care more about that when their their right, head more isn't like those October and yeah, because they are crafty for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've I mean I've heard stories of deer and literally from multiple sources okay of coos bucks belly crawling (laughs) through the yellow grass you know so they they definitely care about stuff like that but when the rut hits man i just they're not using the right right brain (laughs) they're all no 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 they're all over the place it's chaos um something i forgot to mention with the whole glassing thing like a good um a good like starting point for people because i we kind of went all over the place with that like oh you can look this way you can look this way you can look right, this way yeah, look yeah, this way. Around. um get, put the sun at your back in the morning and put the sun in your face in the evening yeah that's kind of just like a good you know ballpark way to to go about where you're glassing so on top of that when you're glassing not so much i kind of figured it'll change for the stock but you're not real worried are you worried about the wind you know what? Glassing? You know what? Not. I mean, oftentimes I'm glassing pretty far away, so uh, no, not really. Right. Worry about that one. When, when yeah, when I, I'm more worried about the wind when uh, it's time to make a move. Yeah. Um, and uh, of course, if there's anything below you, you might you might bust it out if if you know the wind switches, and that's just something you. That's just part of what you're doing. as part of hunting and stuff. But um, I've never really been too concerned about wind direction when I'm glassing. Okay. Uh, so, like, so we, like, with your 10 by 4 it's like you're glassing out to two miles. Mm-hmm. What, for somebody getting into it, what are you looking for? Like, are you... To find deer or, or what yeah, do you... Yeah, like, um, like, the habitat, I mean, you're going to be known if you're in, in deer habitat, but mostly, like, um, just learning... To tell, okay, at two miles, mm-hmm. that's a whitetail. You know, a deer that's only ninety pounds. Yeah, yeah. So they have a very distinct color. I think one of the things that gets overlooked with glass. I mean, if you're colorblind, you're kind of kind of well on this. <laughs> but um, there's they have a very distinct color. Uh, there's like a grayish, dark gray. Which one of the cool things about in the morning is if you do put the sun at your back, those deer are gonna pop Good. on the on the hillside by that sunlight. Another thing, another dead giveaway for me to know that I'm looking at a whitetail is when they are facing away from you, there is a, you'll see a white V on their backside and that's their tail. So the, the outside of their tail, there's white hair and it makes a V and that is the dead giveaway. It's like, oh, that's coos, hundred percent. Because my dad, I remember when I was younger, he would always him and haw about man. Well, is that a mule deer or is that a coos deer? Blah blah blah. You know what I mean? That's that's the dead giveaway right there. You can yeah. see that from a long ways away, and that's something that I I've seen even in thick brush. You know, when you're looking in like these thick areas, if you see that because it looks unnatural. Yeah. Right. And that's one of the things that you need to be looking for when you're glassing. You you want to look for things that are out of place, and that's a perfect example of something out of place. Like yeah. oh, there's a random perfect white V in this bush. <laughs> 
you know yeah. what I mean? So, um, along with that, uh, just, you know, parts of deer is, is what I'm looking for. Ears, you know, you know, um, antlers above the grass line. Um, in terms of habitat, these deer where I normally find them. Now, you, the, the, one of the cool things about coos deer is they have such a wide range of habitat that they thrive in. Where I'm hunting them is a little more south, though there's a lot of grass and stuff. Yeah. A lot of these like open grassland type of areas. And then there's like uh, thick scrub oak and emery oak that they'll kind of get into and bed in. Mm-hmm. And manzanita too. I hate manzanita. Um, <laughs> I think everybody's going to love hate with manzanita. Um, so in the mornings, first thing in the mornings, man, I'm looking in those openings because that's where they're going to be feeding. Yeah. You know, and that's oftentimes where they're rutting is where the bucks are running these does all around or on these like open sunny hillsides in the morning. And then hopefully you've got an eye on deer right there and then and there, and you can kind of watch them and see what they do. And you'll get to watch them go to bed and stuff like that. And they usually end up in these thick areas. I've also watched deer bed down. Another area is to pay attention to is like uh, bluff lines. Um, these create, depending on what side of the hill they're on, they create shade beneath them the rock is also cool okay from like like a rock it acts as a uh, like a cooler basically so it can act both ways though if it's in the sun it can act as a heater because right. i've also watched these deer bed down right in the sun when it's cold you know so good good area for deer, for deer to bed down they don't have to worry about stuff that's behind them when they do that they can bed up against these these cliffs um and uh and then from there i just kind of take I don't really, this is something that I might get some kickback on. I don't really watch, watch, try to watch them bed though, before I stalk them during the rut. Yeah. That seems to be one that, and I think the mixture of timelines comes into play with us in when you're reading, learning about Arizona whitetails is you got a lot of guys that are proponents for watching them bed Mm -hmm. and some guys that like yourself that kind of get more aggressive yeah uh, so the thing that kind of flipped the switch for me was young when i was younger kind of coming up in bow hunting and just not getting any opportunities i talked to a guy um and he gave me some advice and this guy at the time he had like 20 plus bucks under his belt with his bow here you know on the -the over-the-counter hunt and i'm like how are you doing this man he's like you know what i do he's like i just go right at him Get aggressive. Like I'm like, wait. So you're not you don't you're not sitting back waiting for him to bed or anything like that. He's like, no, man. It's just like they're being aggressive during the rut. You be aggressive. Ever since I started doing that, I got opportunities every year. Yeah. And um, it made me look back and be like, I wasted a lot of time trying to wait for deer to bed down. Because here's the thing: uh, can you do it? Absolutely. People do it. Okay. But during the rut. I personally have never watched a buck that's with Doe's bed for more than an hour. Right. He's too wound up, okay, Um, which makes it really hard to pin him down, all right? So when he's running around trying to rut these does, his attention is completely out the window. The does attention is askewed because they're trying to pay attention to get away from him. Right. They're making a lot of noise running around. It's a great opportunity, and they usually stay kind of in one spot. You know, they're kind of rut around, like, one little area. So what I do is I, when I see that, I'm like, okay, which way is the wind going? Good way to do that, look at the grass. If you're hunting and stuff like that, look at the grass where they are. 
which way the grass is blowing. Yeah. And you can kind of make a game plan. Kind of take direction of the wind. Take note if the does are moving in a general direction. Okay? Take note of that. And I just try to get ahead of them. And that's it. Just go right at them. Just put yourself in the mix of them. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to get busted? Start all over. Right. Right? On to the next one. But one of the problems with Arizona and waiting for deer to bed down like that is we just have, we have a lot of folds here. So it's very hard to keep tabs on a deer. Yeah. Deer can disappear in a hurry. Whereas you go to like Utah or, you know, Idaho, like you're hunting these giant basins. You can watch a deer do everything in these basins. That's not the case here. So you need to kind of hone, you know, kind of hone your skills to the terrain that you're hunting. Yep. Yeah, because I mean, it, those skills will transfer from Idaho, but yeah. it's, it's still a, it's, its own ball game. Yeah, it is. It's a different ball game. Yeah. For sure. So do you think, so thinking that, because you've hunted up, obviously up there, mm-hmm. and, and last year you were in Colorado, right? You, you were hunting the high the high country? I hunted, yeah, Utah and Colorado. Yeah. Um, this might get a little pushback. But what do, you, do you think one's easier than the other? It's just a different, it's just a different hunt. Like when I went, like hunting up there, um, when I go up there and hunt, I'm hunting early season bucks. Oh yeah. So this is a bedding game. Because yeah. when they bed, they're staying there. You know, they're gonna they're gonna make their first bed. They'll be there for an hour, hour and a half, whatever like that. And then when the sun moves, they're gonna move. Yeah. And then they're gonna be in that spot for like at least three hours. That's when you put the moves on. Here during the rut. It doesn't happen, man. Right. They're just <laughs> so they're just on the go. They're on the go all the time. So it's like you need to get you need to, you got a buck right there. Move it, dude. Yeah. One of the good things about Arizona is not hard to get around. You know, it's not like like you hunt that big country up in like you know Wyoming and stuff like that. Like this big gnarly country, and you're putting on a three hour stock or something like that just to get over there. That's not the case here, man. You can run all over the place. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. You can. The country definitely warrants itself for that here. Yeah. So when you're making that move. Uh, so you're getting in on this buck, like you, mm-hmm. you've got a rough idea. He's you know, like he's on the move, so you're not like you're pin, you don't have him pinned down. But mm-hmm. You got a good idea where he's at. Yep. When you're getting in on him, where does the stalk begin? Like where does it transfer from getting over there to okay, now it's game time. That depends on the topography. Um, generally, what I like to do is if say they're um, like a great scenario for me would be. The deer are in a depression, it, they're, and they're rutting around in this little, this little tiny bowl or something like that. So if I can go and make a loop and come up the backside of that bowl and be on the top and have a shooting lane right from there, that's ideal. Okay? So for me, the stock would begin once I start to come over the top. Yeah. Okay? Everything else, I'm, I'm moving it, dude. Like, like I've ran after deer before because they, they're, they don't, I mean, especially if you are, you, you know, you're taking a route where you can't be seen. Right. I'm moving fast. Then once I get around and I get to the point where, you know, I am going to start showing myself at, then that, that, that's where the stock really begins. Now, in terms of yardage, if you're like, if I'm like, oh, if it, maybe that's not the scenario. Maybe they're out there. It's more out in the open and I have to work, work brush to get to them. Right. When you get to, um, there, <laughs> there's a couple guys. There's one guy, I won't, I won't name his name, but 
uh, one of the outfitters here, he said he 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 won't bring a rifle hunter closer than 300 yards to a coos deer. Wow. Another very well-respected bow hunter that I won't name his name. Everyone knows who he is, though. Okay. He has friends that will not shoot a coos deer closer than 80 yards. And there's a few reasons for that. One, they're jumpy. Okay, they they jump the string like nobody's business. I've had coos deer literally get completely out of the way of an arrow. Not just ducking. Yeah. But they're duck and run and then the arrow hits where it's supposed to hit, right? Yeah. Um and they're just so wiry, man. They they they're so spooky. So well, um, everything wants to eat them out here. <laughs> yeah, everything wants to eat them, man. So when you when you when you cross that like for a bow hunter though, you cross that like 150 yard threshold, you better have your wits about you. Yeah, right in there. Um, this you know uh, they're just <laughs> right when you think right when you think you got them, they're they're you, they're one's gonna be looking at you. Yeah, you know. <laughs> the yeah, good, they're gonna have you pinned down. So that's I mean that's a big thing about Arizona is. Holy crap! These guys out here shoot a long ways. Yeah, with they do. bows. I'm yeah. not just talking mm -hmm. about the the you know the guys with the big rifles, but mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. archery tackle. Like yeah. Uh, I mean, you hear every year, you know, guys are shooting seventy plus yards, killing mm -hmm. seventy plus yards, and yep. and uh, I mean, but with the terrain, it kind of. I mean, I was I was kind of against it at mm -hmm. first with mm -hmm. that long range until you really start hunting out here. Yeah. And it's like sometimes, you know, that's the shot. Here, here's the thing. Like, this is a very controversial topic, It right? is very um, wicked. The, the situation has to be right. Yeah. I've killed coos deer at 18 yards, and I've killed coos deer at 80-plus yards. Okay? Um, do you want to get close? I mean, ideally, absolutely. Everyone would want to shoot a coos deer at 30. Yeah. Okay? But... One of the good things about shooting at a deer that's a long ways away is he, he there's less of a chance that he knows you're there. He's more relaxed. Yep. Okay. If there's no wind, there's got to be no wind. You know, the situation has to be right. Like no yeah. wind, broadside animal, not looking at you. That is the right situation to take. You know, I've, I mean, I've, I have a friend that's just absolutely laced a coos at 135. You know, that's normal out here, you know, and a lot of guys, like I write about this and a lot of guys, there's pushback from the whitetail community, you know, like, oh, I've never shot a deer past 25 yards. So I was like, okay, well, that's because of where you're hunting. Right. Conditions dictate. It's not, it, and I'm not telling you to shoot at a coos up at a hundred yards, but I am telling you, 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 you better damn well be proficient at least to 60. You know, that's, you know, that's a, that at 60 yards at a coos deer, I'm, I'm not even going to think about that. Like, like, yeah, sixty I, yards. I I'm can not make that trying shadow. to get closer. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, <laughs> no sixty, and that's where like. So with that, this is kind of it's it's on topic, but it's, it's tangential. Is when it comes to setting up a bow, mm -hmm. where do you place priority in making your bow quiet or your a bow that's fast? Yeah, well, that's. I'm, Perfectly, you have both worlds. Yeah, but. I've so I've messed around with both of them. Um, for the past ye year and a half or so, I've shot a really heavy arrow, which quieted my everything down quite a bit. Yeah. You know. So when you say really heavy, like what? Five fifty. That's five hundred fifty grains. Um, the 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 pushback on that was 
my pin gapping was astronomical. So I shoot a five pin sight. So um, what I mean by pin gapping, for those that don't know what that is, is it five pins. So my pins are set 30, 40, 50, 60, and 70. If I want to shoot 35 yards, I got to put the target in between the 30 and 40 pin. When there's a lot of real estate in between those pins, you are leaving a lot of room to screw up. Yeah. It's not it's not a precise aim aiming system. So when when you shoot a faster arrow, those pin gap those pin gaps shrink, which makes that pin gapping a lot more precise. Okay. Um, it also lends to um, if you have to judge yardage if you're judging yardage and you're bad at that and you are shooting a heavy arrow you dude if you're off five yards you're missing yeah you know but with a faster arrow you're probably still gonna hit them you know what i mean so i kind of like something in between so i i'm shooting right now um i'm shooting an arrow that's 450 grains um, and it's going like, I think it's like 280, 280 feet a second. So, so you're still getting it then. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Which my pin gapping with that compared to 550 is like night and day. Yeah. So, um, that's what I like, uh, for, for coos deer, especially coos deer are also because they jump, they jump the string. You do want something quick. You know yeah, what you I mean? You gotta get it there. You can tell, like. So, but I, I live here, you know, like coos are one of the animals I hunt on a regular basis for the guys that are primarily elk hunters. That might not be their ideal, such their ideal arrow. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are shooting the, the 550 mm-hmm. plus the mm-hmm. 600s and yeah, you know, where, but I mean, penetration's name of the game with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep. Cause I mean, down here, I see a lot of guys shooting light arrows. Yep. Um, See a lot of mechanical broadheads. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, I'm not sure which side you're on, but mechanical or I've or I've you know I've I've shot all of them. Um, I like a m- small fixed blade because yeah. I feel like y- you still get that good flight out of it. Um, but also, you don't have to worry about failure because I've had that happen with mechanicals. I've yeah. had like an I've had a broadhead not open. Uh, thankfully it was a hybrid so the fixed part did did what it needed to do but the mechanical didn't open and that was kind of i was like holy crap that's kind of eye-opening for me yeah and especially when you do get to go hunt stuff like elk you know i just like a fixed blade more i've been a fixed blade fan for the past five years probably something like that yeah because i know that's one thing i'm in the market for is is i've been shooting slicks slick Mm -hmm. tricks yeah good Um, head but I think this next year I'm gonna redo. I'm, I'm redoing my whole aerial setup. Oh really? Anyways, yeah. Just I've shot 125 mm-hmm. green heads, and mm-hmm. it's just getting it's just getting worse a pain in the ass to to set up for that. Mm-hmm. Um, like trying to try out different broadheads, like mm-hmm. just finding 125s on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm just go back to a generic 100 grain. But I'm I'm tuned up now for uh, it's a heavier arrow for my draw length. Mm-hmm. Like I'm shooting, I think four. 30 435 mm-hmm. right now which i mean i'm not a, a big guy mm-hmm. 65 pounds so it's 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 decent for my draw weight uh, i'm still getting 65 pounds mm-hmm. of energy mm-hmm. um but uh i just i've i've been on this boat about going mechanical mm-hmm. um i got buddies of mine that are fully on board yeah um yeah. And, you know, hearing it from them and it's like and guys that are very well versed mm-hmm. in archery and bow hunting in general. And 
It's like, well, I think I might go that way. I might stick. Um, but I'm kind of. I'm also wondering about going to a smaller profiled mm-hmm. fixed blade. Um, maybe a, sl- a slower, a smaller profile vein. You know, mm-hmm. getting away from the blazers, going to something like a Bronco. Yep. Um, three inch parabolic. I guess mm-hmm. it's how most folks call it. Um, but I mean, everything works. It's everything just, works. Everything works. It's yeah. Just, um, it's what it, the, the thing. It, it, it all comes down to your confidence. Yeah. Like, what do you have the most confidence in? Those guys, there's guys, you know, they, they have full confidence. They're, they're team rage. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah. love rage rage heads. My oh. cousin will not go away from rage. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, dude, that's awesome. That means that when he pulls back on something, he's like, oh, this is going to die. Yeah. That's how you need to feel. I mean, I've seen his wound channels. Yeah. And it's like. It's like somebody hit it with a 300 win. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's like, holy smoke. It's grotesque, like, man. The paint, the buckets of paint on the yeah. side of the trail, like, yeah. it's like, man, what the hell did you hit him with an axe? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's impressive. It's like, man, sure, I thought man. he jumped out of a tree with a with a double bit or something, mm-hmm. took his head off. Like, mm-hmm. holy smoke, there's a lot of blood here. But, yeah. Which, I mean, it's it makes for a nice... Nice, quick, short blood trail. It does, you know, and I, you know, one of the things, I remember the first animal, I, so I always shot a hybrid head, like when I first, first started bow hunting, I was all like big fan of hybrids. First started bow hunting a lot, I should say. I was a big fan of hybrids because I was like, oh, it's the best of both worlds, you know. Right. Um, long story short, the company that was making those kind of, they, they sold the company and then the production kind of went downhill and it just yeah. the quality control wasn't there anymore so um i the first animal i shot with a fixed head i was like man where's where's the hole on him you know <laughs> what, you know what i mean <laughs> but he only went 30 yards right you know like worked great but it was just a smaller hole you know? yeah it's so, a yeah cause, i mean you're, you're limited to like an inch and three eighths. Yeah, and, and I, I'm used to these. Like I was used to these like giant, freaking, massive holes in animals. Like it looked right, like those big two inch hole. And, yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's just unreal. But that's you know pros and cons. Uh-huh. But I mean, it's it's giant hole as long as it deploys. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's got to do that. Which I mean, I think they're getting to the point now where they're more reliable. They um, are. Everything gets better every year that comes by. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause, I mean, my first broadhead was the. And I'll, I will name these. It was the Rocket Steelhead, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of deployment issues. And I went right back to a, I, w- I went back to a fixed blade. Yeah. Like my first deer, mm-hmm. it's like nope, screw this. Yeah. I went right back. I went right out and bought a set and retuned and mm-hmm. um, was was back in the game. But I just got so sick of them. Yeah. My first deer. I mean, I was fourteen. Yeah. But I mean, what do you do? I guess yeah, you just and, you you just learn, man. You right. learn and get but I mean, better. So I was fourteen. So it's taking. 15 years for me to go back to well maybe mechanic maybe mechanics have gotten to the point where all right maybe i'll try them again you know it's let's see if these guys got this figured out yet right or 17 actually it's been 17 years since i tried it out some crap i'm getting old oh gosh Uh, (laughs) um but yeah it's but i I think you nailed the the nail on the head hit the nail on the head with you know it's you got to have something you're confident in yeah whether that's through reading reviews or firsthand experience i mean Mm -hmm. you got to I mean, sometimes you just gotta, just gotta do it. You just yeah. gotta try it, and then. Um, but the downside is, if you try it and it doesn't work out, you know, it's nobody wants to wound game. No, and it's you, worst feeling in the world. It's, man, like it's just such a gut punch. Yeah, it is. You know, it's you 
you feel like the whole time you're like looking for blood, you just want to throw up the whole time. Like mm-hmm. it's just such a. I think it's one thing that like folks don't realize about. I mean, folks, if you're listening to this podcast, they're probably hunting. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, folks that don't hunt aren't familiar with it. I mean, there's especially what I do for a living. It's it's trying to explain it mm-hmm. to people, but the sense that you know it's what you just did you know and and you get it all in your head you know always going to go off and suffer and sometimes it works out and sometimes you know and and they, and they make it but it's still it doesn't matter if, you, if i saw him three days later and he's, if that buck's got a limp it's just like he just hit me all over again it's um you know yeah it's definitely hard um because you feel like you didn't do your job right yeah it's failure but um it's nature's way Right, yeah. lions don't aren't always successful. I, I've I have trail camera photos of big scratch marks on on deer, and it looks like <laughs> oh that was a lion. I mean, there is a lot of that. I mean, Th- that happens, man. You know, it, they're not always successful. Like these these animals, their number one goal is to live. Yeah, and they're so, good at it, and they're and they and they're good at it. You know what I mean? And um, like the the buck I shot this past January, um. Dude, he had a broken leg. He had puncture wounds on him. Yeah. He was, the meat was bruised. Okay. I mean, it's the rut. So they're fighting and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and he was, he's just, I mean, they, that's just how things are. But, um, you know, what I'm getting at is like, uh, it, it's not like if he does die, it's not like he's going to go to waste. You know what I mean? It's going to go right back into the hills, you know? And, um, and uh, you know it, the it's you're not the one eating the deer, but you know, right? Like somebody's the, going to eat them. Yeah, something will get them. You know, oh, so I, I guess they don't have enough service here. Um, uh, oh, there he is. Did you see this? This take it to the trail cam videos. I probably don't have enough service to play this on YouTube. But have you seen this one of the deer, the white tail back east, missing his whole back strap? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, just think of that reminded me like that. Like it was like Utah there was one missing like the bottom half of his mm-hmm. back right leg. And I mean they do I mean they are stuff happens. You yeah. know? Stuff happens. It's no excuse to to um just start flinging arrows. Start flinging, but but it is something I think when you like when you buy a tag, it's something that you need to be like aware of. Like this can absolutely happen. Yeah. Because we're not perfect. You no, know? Nope. Yeah. We're not we're not perfect, you know. So um, sometimes you wound stuff and you just kind of got to, the, the best way to, to remedy that is to, the game of fish would tell you, oh, you did your due diligence looking for him. Go try to get another one. Yep. You know, it, it and I mean, it's a person, that's a personal decision if you want to actually do that or not. But yep. I've spoken to the game of fish about that and they're like, no, man, you, you looked for nine hours. Go get yourself another one. Yep. You know what I mean? Keep hunting. Yeah. I mean, the same thing with, with, uh. With waterfowl, like mm-hmm. like cripples are a part of the game. Yeah. With with waterfowl, and uh, I know some guys that'll say, "Well, I wounded one; he's in the reeds. I can't find him." Mm-hmm. You know, dog went in after him. I went in after him. Can't find that duck, and they'll stop one shy of their limit, and mm-hmm. they'll call that one their their daily limit. And mm-hmm. then some guys will, will shoot that last duck, and yeah, you know, and um, but I mean, I remember like doing surveys mm-hmm. about that. And, you know, the cripples was just another category. 
Yeah. Like, they didn't get a fine for, mm-hmm. you know, if they shot their limit and then, you know, oh, I, I had two cripples. They're not going to get a fine for that as long as they went and looked for it. It's, yeah. I mean, this was a different state. And, um, yeah. And, and, st- and states are different. Like, I, I, I think, I don't quote me, I think Alaska is one of those places, though, if you, like, if you draw blood, you're done. Yeah. That's like, that's how they work, and that's and that's cool. That's fine by me. I've done that, man. I've I've been the guy that hit something, can't find it, and then I go, you know what? Yep. I'm done. Because yep. to me, I felt like I killed him. Yeah. There are those instances where you go, no, he's gonna be fine. Right. You know what I mean? mean it's, and I that, and that's just something that comes with experience, just like yeah. tracking game and being like, no, this thing's dead, and <laughs> yeah, I just can't find it. Right. I mean, because I mean, you can read it on the shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of those skills you pick up. Yep. Is, yep. Says, yeah, he's dead. Yep. It's, yep. Um, so I guess that's one thing. Do whitetail, the whitetails here mule kick? Have you oh, ever yeah. seen one mule kick? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things that, like, I always look for, but, you know, like, and, uh, like I haven't harvested one myself. Mm-hmm. And then, which, which is why I have you on here, because I need to... <laughs> you know, I, I'm not gonna talk about deer hunting and say, "Oh yes, I, I've, I've killed a lot of whitetails, but none of them been in State 48." Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But uh, that was one, you know, always read the, the mule kicks and the, mm-hmm. the shoulder hump and. Sure. Um, but yeah, just never on, on video, just never seen. They're delicate little things too, man. You go right through their shoulder blades. It, I mean, some of them I've killed their shoulder blades. You can bend them. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're just not. Right. I mean, because they, they are so like. I remember when we first moved here and went to the bass pro mm-hmm. and they have right by the staircase they've got that yep that little white tail mounted up and it's like that's what we're hunting yeah it's like my labrador is bigger than that yeah thing. you're what? hunting a german shepherd yeah. with antlers <laughs> is what it is it's like, man they're small but they sure are they sure are special though man like i i remember when i first started hunting them um i kind of swore off hunting them with a bow because they're too damn hard yeah. You know, we were like, my buddy and I were like, oh, we're going to hunt mule deer. Screw this, you know. But the more I went out there and saw, like, when, when you see, like, a big coos buck. Whew, yeah. <laughs> there's stuff, Because, here, dude, like, you see that, and it's like, that, everything wants to eat that thing, and he's still alive. Yeah. You got to respect that. Yeah. That's the that's the king of the mountain. It is. It's, yeah. Yeah. Come to like said, everybody wants backstrap for dinner. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's trials these guys have got to go through because it's like like you go up north doesn't matter if you're in flagstaff or idaho you know if you find lion scats usually got elk hair in it yeah um there's no elk in southern arizona no (laughs) and i mean these guys are bottom of the food chain as far as Mm -hmm. that stuff goes i mean obviously grass is below them but it doesn't matter if it's a the damn coyote birds or, of prey want to swoop down yeah, and try to get the eagles to grab mean? one. And <laughs> it's yeah, everybody wants whitetail backstrap, and it's <laughs> but that's how they get so cagey. Yep, and they are just such a special hunt, like a special animal, ultimate ultimate uh, hunt for for a bow hunter, like the ultimate challenge. Yeah, arguably one of the hardest animals to spot and stock in North America because it's. I wish I could remember the, the success rate, even for residents been doing it for so long, is so low. It's super low. I've hunted in areas. Um, each unit has like a different success rate. Yeah. But I mean, I've hunted in areas where the success rate is one percent. Yeah. For archery, I think it's like three percent average. I don't know what it is. I I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's very low. Yeah. It's um. 
for whitetails specifically, I would love to know what that is here. Yeah, not, yeah, not, not, not across there. the board, not mule deers. I want to know the coos one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, there's all this stuff going down. So with mandatory reporting, yeah. if that becomes a thing, which I... It is, 2023. It is mandatory? Yep, they re- right. they announced it the other day. Okay, so I knew it was... They were talking about I couldn't remember if they, met, if they passed that part or not. So with that, I'm excited for that just because... Well, I'm a data nerd. Mm-hmm. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what that data is like yep um because everything right now is speculation yep but it's because from what they have right now it's it's only like two thousand deer i'm i'm pulling it was like three thousand was it three thousand that that was reported yeah yeah that were actually without mandatory reporting Mm -hmm. um so this could be really interesting to see what that data is like and i mean there's there's other factors to that mandatory reporting but Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting to see what it's like across the board yeah because, um, I mean, Arizona, I mean, as far as on the public face, we're kind of in the what uh, some folks might call the golden years, some folks might call the, the lead years. Yeah, who knows, <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of depends on who you are. If you're a resident, you're probably saying these are the <laughs> not the golden years. Yeah, that's, that's what I was, I was like, because, I mean, on social media, mm-hmm. you know, which social media, I mean, that's for... Well, I mean, for doing a podcast, and it's it's such a weird place to be in right now. It I is. think as as a hunter, mm-hmm. but also like doing like well, you've got your outdoor mm-hmm. writing. I do the podcast. I do photography. Mm-hmm. Like you, I want to be able to share those stories. Yeah. But at the same time, I re- like I'll tell you what, I do not want to be called the I word. Yeah. Like at all. Mm-hmm. Like and so it's like where does that line like where do you cross that line and 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 where does it become an issue? I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, I think kind of all of us are the I word. Yeah. Uh, whether we like it or not. I think you're right. Because if it's, you're you have a personal Instagram page and you're posting up pictures of you know a bear that you shot or a deer or whatever. Yeah. You're influencing somebody yeah you know what i mean it's like oh man i want to go do that you don't have to be creating like really high quality content like it, right i mean because you, you can go on to you know instagram or youtube especially right now like oh yeah especially you know sitting in this well i mean deer season is open right now um i've had some issues come up so i haven't been able to hunt in december mm-hmm. um but it'll come, we got January coming up, and you know I I know I've been digesting a lot of content. Oh yeah, you know it's you're getting psyched for the year. Heck and, yeah. Um, I know you and I've been talking a lot on Insta, you know DM on Instagram just because I've been. It's fun. We're going to deer season. I've been thinking more about bears than anything else <laughs> over the last over the last like two you're weeks. You're talking of, to me too much, man. Oh man. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Between you and well i think the top content creator out there a uh, meat eater yeah um watching his cooking videos and mm-hmm. you know utilizing bear fat and it's like man so i've never harvested a bear and it's like mm-hmm. i think 22 might have to be the year of the bear for me <laughs> every year is the year of the bear for me yeah well <laughs> i've been do- i do so much the quail hunt and i yeah, love deer no, hunting you got to you got to do it. it it you know it is uh it's it's like one of the most difficult hunts we have i think here yeah because we're not swimming in bear numbers but um man is it rewarding yeah. you know when it when it all comes together and you get that bear you know the, i mean the bear that i just shot this past october dude his fat was uh purple 
Because he was eating prickly pears. Oh, prickly. I'm just going to Yeah. You know, and it was like, he's delicious. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. So to say, how much that prickly pear flavor got transferred? Like, the color got transferred, but how much? I, I, I'm going to be honest. I can't really tell. Like, it tastes like bear to me. Yeah. But it was just something that was like, like his claws were pink. Yeah. And stuff, you know, from like picking the pear fruit and the fat was pink and it was like, it was just something I noticed, you know yeah. what I mean? And I was like, man, this is, this is from the cactus. This yeah. is, you know, like. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's, because I mean, you're not going to get that with, with deer. No, I mean, no, one no, no. They, Especially in the rut, I mean, they're running all that fat right mm-hmm, off of them. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just such a, oh, that was a question going back. I was going to ask you, when you... So hunting in the grasslands, it's not as big a thing, I don't think. But do you, like, uh, do you subscribe to, like, swapping out your boots or putting on, Mm. like, a boot cover Mm. or doing like that to get in closer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a – I have some funny stories about that. Um, (laughs) That's what we're here for. The – so taking off your boots is definitely a way to, like, quiet things down. And I did that for – a while when I first started doing like a lot of spot and stock hunting here. Um, but because it's the rut, uh, <laughs> you never know where you're going to end up. It's different when it's during the early season and the buck is bedded. He's not moving. You know exactly where you're going. You know exactly where he's going to be. That's different. When they're rutting, I don't, dude, I don't take my boots off because I don't know. I mean, he might, they might move and just go right over this rise. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go over there. You want to be able to stay mobile, in my opinion. Um, And because they are running around, it's not as uh, walk on eggshells type of situation, if that makes sense. Like, so having boots on, I think I've only killed one deer uh, in my socks in Arizona, Yeah, you know, and, and it was a, it was a bedded, it was a bedded mule deer during the rut that was by himself. He didn't have any does with him. So like he, it was early in the season. Things weren't quite moving too much yet. You know what I mean? So that deer stayed there, you know, and I, I was able to get in on them. But, like, once things start getting going with the rut, dude, I don't right. know. Guys, do it. Go ahead. Have at it, man. I've, <laughs> I've been the dude that steps on Choya Cactus, though, in my socks and yeah. can't find my boots. You know what I mean? I've that I, That's happened to me. I've lost my backpack before, you know, lost, lost my boots before. Um and I just haven't found a a reason. I think it's situational for sure. Like if yeah. you have a situation where you're like the best situation, if you want to be the guy, like you like in terms of like taking your boots off, you got a deer bedded, a buck bedded. He's by himself, and you can get to him real quick. Mm-hmm. If you can get over there real quick and then slip down on him, cool. But these things are never fast. You know what I mean? Like you're you're going and making a play. And it's going to take a while, and he's going to get up and move, and then you're going to want to follow him, but your boots are freaking a half mile back behind you. You know what I mean? Like, I I just don't. I don't do it, man. Yeah. That's one thing I was always curious about was with all that, and and I haven't checked my boots either. I'm open to it. Well, yeah, because I've been looking at, like, the 
like there's some companies out there that have like the foam, like you're, 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 you're strap them to your boots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, like the yak tracks. Well, I call them a yak track, but it's it's a. Uh, well, there's so many brands out there, but like you know what I mean, though. Yeah, the, the piece I, of foam. And yeah, I, I just started. I messed around with a pair of those um, just this past elk season. I really, it was kind of game changer. Yeah. To be honest, they, they were. Um, I think they're called Stock Zone sneakers. Yeah, Stock Zone sneak. Ross Outdoors makes them. If anybody wants to check them out. Okay, I didn't they know they were making their own. Yeah, that's nice. their own thing, man. It slips right over your boot. Lightweight, clips on your backpack. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It's like basically like fuzz and like foam on the bottom. And it absolutely makes a difference walking through the rocks. Because here in Arizona, that is something we have no shortage of. (laughs) It's plenty. (laughs) Well, I mean. (laughs) You are walking through many, many rocks in Arizona. Rocks and and dead grass and dead vegetation in general, like everything is loud. I tell you, what, I've never seen a place that'll eat boots. Oh yeah, like Arizona. Oh yeah, yep. like I finally mm-hmm. invested in a in a high end pair, we'll call mm-hmm. them, this year, and I've been loving them. Mm-hmm. But like I've worn some of the mid tiers mm-hmm. and just you get a season out of them, two seasons out of them. Yeah, they're my last pair. I gave up on them. Well, one is I got they had like perforated feet. Uh-huh. They're not perfect. Oh, but they're like, the, uh, your toe box um, was supposed to be like ventilated. Oh yeah, yeah. Because my I run so hot, mm-hmm. but my feet were turning black from all the dust getting in. Oh yeah, I had so much dirt getting in, and my feet were still running hot. So yep. just turning into mud between your toes and yep, yep. Don't picture it, but no, it sucks. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, I've been there. And then uh, hunting uh, javelina down here in the flats on the valley, and having choya go right through the soles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this sucks and. Oh yeah, buy a new pair, and been loving these ones so far. I haven't tested them out in the Choya so much, but there's also n- learned to avoid it. There's not much uh, that can handle the Choyas. No, <laughs> pretty much goes through everything from my experience. I know I get a lot of people that'll get a hold of me and say like, "Hey, you know, what about the snakes oh, in yeah. Arizona?" And like, do you wear like snake boots or snake gaiters? And I say, "Yeah," I said I wear them. I said, but the sn- I don't wear them for snakes. So what's so I wear them for the damn choya. <laughs> so I wear like I, a lot of times like if I'm just running and gunning, um, especially for javelina where they like that that stuff. I wear uh-huh. snake gaiters. And oh wow, well, a heavy cool. a heavy randed boot, snake gaiters, yep. and I don't have to worry about it. Cause I, I'll, I'll kick them to test them out, mm-hmm. but do the cat claws and everything. That's just, oh, it doesn't do a thing for it. They're too tall. <laughs> it's yeah, they those um uh. For the cat claw, the best pants that I've found for that, uh, First Light offers a pant called a sawbuck. Yeah. Those are the best, dude, for that cat claw stuff, man. You don't even really feel it just busting through that. And then if you're hunting coos deer, you're going to be in the cat claws. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, heck, I mean, I've been elk hunting and being in cat claw. Yeah. I mean, the stuff, it's an Arizona staple. Yeah, it I is. I mean, it's, if it, oh, what does my buddy always say, if it doesn't, Prick, stab, or bite doesn't belong in the desert. Yeah. It doesn't belong in Arizona. Oh, yeah. No, but, uh, yeah, just, <laughs> I'll edit out that dead spot, that dead spot. Um, just trying to think, what else do we miss as far as Arizona uh, with the OTC? What do you got coming up? This year we got yeah some, I think we covered the deer thing pretty good yeah so um, like so 2022 is right on the corner we have 
we have deer coming up. We talked about um, you have the drawn pig seasons. You yep. know, it should go into March by the time you get to the end of rifle. And then mm -hmm. what else? Yeah, man. Uh, what you what what do I have coming? Yeah, like what yeah, do you yeah. got coming up in twenty two? Yeah, I got um yeah so definitely stoked to get out there on this deer hunt. I got a pig tag too, archery pig tag. So nice. That's gonna be fun. And then um right after that, my next hunt after that, uh, well I'm gonna be scouting is what I'm gonna be doing after that for that spring bear tag I drew here, yeah. um, which opens up in May. That'd be a fun tag. Yeah, I'm really excited as a unit that I've always wanted to hunt, and I've never drawn the tag, but now I have it, and I'm pretty excited to learn a new new place. Um, and then I'm going back to Idaho for spring bear. Got two tags up there, um, two bear tags up there. My buddy's coming with me, and we're going to backpack into some ridiculous stuff nice. and live in the dirt for a bit. And um, <laughs> and then I, uh, I'm going to go back. looks like I'll be go back to Utah again for high country mule deer um, in August. And I uh, actually was able, I was one of the lucky ones to, uh, I got a rifle mule deer tag in Idaho for October. Yeah. So. That'll make a lot of folks jealous. Yeah. I was on the computer, dude, from like 9 in the morning until 3 p.m. Yeah. Trying to get my tag and finally got it and. So that's going to be a blast, going to hunt with some buddies up there, you know, and um, everything after that just depends on the draw gods, you know, if I yeah. if I draw. Maybe I'll draw an elk tag here in Arizona this year, who knows. You, know? you going to swing for the fences or just draw to get a tag? I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to swing for an early tag, man. I, I've, I've drawn that late tag the past couple of years, um, and it's fun, but I kind of want to explore whitetail hunting, and that is in November. And, uh, it's been something I've always wanted to do. Like, like, uh, should specify like Midwest white. I was hunting. just going to ask. Yeah. We yeah, have white hunting yeah here. we're going to, yeah. I want to like, I've never actually uh, seen like a whitetail buck ever, like a, like a Midwest whitetail buck. Oh, you're in for a treat. So I, so I want to go, uh, try to do that. And, uh, in November, I've, I, I hear that's a good time to hunt for those things. What, uh, <laughs> do you have a state picked out or? Uh, I think I'm going to go to Nebraska. Oh, yeah, I just got real jealous real quick. Yeah, I think I'm going to go there. Um, they, they have over-the-counter. Uh, it's over-the-counter opportunity up there for White Hills. So, uh, yeah, something I've always wanted to do, man. So I'm going to explore that. And uh, other than that, um, just got to see what I draw, you know. Yeah, because that's the other thing coming up is we have the February. We have our mm -hmm. the elk antelope draws. Yep, yep. Yeah, so we'll see where, see where – are you going to – uh, do you have any hopes for a, a speed goat tag? Or? <laughs> yeah, I always do, but I never draw one. <laughs> <laughs> How many points are you up to now? I think I have nine points right You're, now. You got to be knocking on that door. Oh, I want an archery tag, so I'm not. I, I'm not trying to get a rifle tag or anything like that. That'll right. take like twenty points to get. <laughs> right. So I was just looking on the other day. I got. I was on one of the apps that. Mm -hmm. Talks mm -hmm. about points and nines knocking on some doors. I'm. I hope so, man. Yeah, It'd be cool so to draw draw an antelope. I've never hunted antelope before. Yeah. It's one of the things. Um, one of the downsides of living in a trophy state is like some of these species. Like we just don't get to hunt them a lot. You know, like elk. I mean, for an early tag here, you're waiting usually six years for mid-tier yep. units seven years you can draw late archery tags and that you know that's a lot easier but like but then for, you're not gaining points for those yeah but for those september hunts which are if you've never hunted elk in september here it'll just ruin you 
it's once you hunt elk here in September, everywhere else seems like it kind of sucks. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> so like I've I've hunted other states in September and I love it. Yeah. When I first moved here, guys kept referring to Arizona as a whole as the land of the giants. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a title of a, of a couple of films now about Arizona, about yeah, Arizona elk hunting. Yeah. But, oh, my God. Like, guys are passing on bulls here that would put you in the books in other states. And Well, not not just that, but, like, the, the just the, the bugling that happens here. Yeah. It'll keep you up at night. It's, <laughs> it's done me a couple of times. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Whereas you go, you go, you know, I've done like the over the counter thing in other states and stuff like that. And like, man, you go, you might go three, four days and not hear a a bugle, you know, that's just not how things are here. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's, it's definitely within the right units. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, I've been in, I've been lucky enough to assist. I haven't had a tag in them, but. I'm one of those guys that I might not have had a tag, but I want to hunt. Yeah, it's sure. It's that we're getting chilly out here, it folks. It just will not warm up today. Holy smokes! Yeah. Um, but I try to jump in every hunt I can yeah. and learn as much as I can. And I think I was on like five or six elk hunts before I ever drew a tag here. Mm. And yeah, I mean, you just like you can't sleep. Yeah, I mean, you got these bulls just ripping all around you at mm-hmm. one, two in the morning, and and you don't know is it you know is it the is it a raghorn is it a spike yeah i had a we had a spike horn uh in a very coveted unit um which my buddy if he's listening to this he knows who he is i'm not going to name him but he's had the best luck on tags oh yeah he drew two very nice september tags in 3 years oh man Plus a rifle antelope tag, dude. All in like three or four years. Yeah, dropping a dropping a C note in his That's app. That's what or I kept accusing him of that a couple of times. But you know, I, I go along with him. Here's a Cooper's hawk. Um, nice. Uh, you know, it was. But I was like, holy, like, what are you doing? Yeah. But yeah, just go, being able to jump in on his hunts and um, you know, learn and and I've been fortunate. So he's like buddies with, and he is a very good elk hunter. And then buddies with some excellent elk hunters too, and um, I mean my buddy he killed a 417 inch bull like five or six years ago, or not uh, take that back, it was I think it was nine years ago. That's a that's a prehistoric beast. It was, yeah. It's it was like 417 and three eighths. Like I really tried not to get wrapped up in horn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you can't not get wrapped up with a 400 inch. Oh bull. no, that's a that's a one of one of a kind animal there yeah i mean just unreal yeah and i mean and that's a possibility here i mean oh I, yeah oh yeah like I know, sure. I know a lot of guys that you know they'll pass on 350s 360s yeah you know, not, it's 380 or bust yeah i'm not one of those guys i'm not it's, <laughs> if he's got legal bone and he walks by i'm probably going to stick him because i like uh, you know that's why i drew a uh, I wanted to put in for a well. I was on a I was on a party tag this year, but um, that's why I got no problems with cow tags. Oh, I yeah. like eating elk. I didn't I, I didn't get a shot this year, but yeah, I like eating them. Yeah, but and I don't want to get that misconstrued. Like I got no problem with guys that that want that big horn. That's, no, that's no, no, your no. tag. Do what you want. No, everyone's got their own motivations. Yeah. You know, and if I drew a, you know, one of those primos, 
first week or so, I might say 360 or bust. Just to yeah, yeah. Well, you, you never know I'm, when you're going to have the it's opportunity. It's easier to say than done, but <laughs> well, yeah, you never know when you're going to have the opportunity to go do that again. Right. You know, to, to, to hunt on a tag like that. So, yeah, why not Why not hold out a little bit in the beginning, you know what I mean? But i tell you something. Most guys don't know what a 350 bull looks like 40 yards from them. Yeah, it's <laughs> – yeah, it's – I mean, I've had 300s in front of me going, I'd kill him in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, two, 275. Yeah. He's – yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick him. I know yeah. me, and I, I can say all I want. Oh, I'll wait for 360. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I might pass on a spike. Might, yeah, but apart yeah, well, from that, three twenty is sitting there screaming at your face. <laughs> yeah, hard to not just go into yeah, autopilot I, and pull the string back. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's. I love this state. I do too, man. I do. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's one of those things. A lot of guys are, are you know, kind of the shut up about the opportunities mm-hmm. thing. Is we have them. Yeah, it's, we do for sure. And I think I forget we were talking about on the podcast or before is. You know, you can hunt 12 months here if you draw the right tags. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got the North Rim and the Raymond Ranch bison tags. You got your spring, your spring. almost summer bear tag. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can over-the-counter spring bear hunt, too, and that lasts into July. Yeah. You know. With a rifle. Yeah. 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 We have, what, five bear seasons here? We, you got the early over-the-counter uh, spring hunt. You got um, the draw... All right. All right. So I think we were talking about the bear seasons, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So five, yeah, the, all the bear seasons we have, we have um, the early over-the-counter spring hunt, the draw spring hunt, the earlier fall hunt, which is like early August-ish, um, and then later fall hunt, which is late August, and then in October fall hunt. Right, and that one goes right to the end of the year. Because, I mean, technically, bear se- depending on the quotas, they're, they're open right now, depending on the unit. Yeah. 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 Right to the end of the year. Yeah. So, yeah, you could, um, nine months out of the year, you can hunt bears here. Yeah. De- a, depending on the style quotas. Right. I mean, OTC for what? Probably, like... You can hunt OTC for most of it. Well, so I'm saying, like, OTC is probably, like, what, five or... Five or maybe six months of that. You can hunt OTC throughout that whole nine months if you if if the units stay open. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we probably should. Yeah, get yeah. this thing wrapped up. We're sitting here kind of. Just and I are shivering. <laughs> yeah, it's like, holy. <laughs> I thought this was Arizona. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that sun just will not poke out today. But uh, yeah. Um, so I guess this wraps up. With any closing thoughts? Any anything you want to throw out there? Or? Uh. Yeah, man. Uh, just you know, anybody might have missed anybody heading out there for the January hunts. Just uh, keep at it, man. It's a um, they can be a grind, you know, a lot of failure out there. Guys stalking bucks, but just go for it. Just go for it and stop. I, I see a lot of people um, talk themselves out of success before they even go on a stock because they're sitting back trying to overthink things. Yeah. You have a bow in your hand, you got a deer tag and there's a deer over there. Go over there. Right. I mean, like, <laughs> like, you, like you said, I mean, the worst you're going to do is bust them. Yeah. Then and go then, find and then, and I guarantee you're going to learn something when yeah. you do that, you know? So yeah, other sp- than that, man, if anybody wants to like connect with me at all, um, I'm on all the social platforms, just search dialed in hunter. Um, I have a YouTube channel, 
dialed in hunter uh, blog dialed in hunter.com and then i also wrote a book uh, called Becoming a Backpack Hunter, a Beginner's Guide to Hunting the Backcountry. If anybody's interested in that, they can go to Amazon and search that and have at it. I, I really encourage everybody to to definitely, if, even if you don't buy the book, at least find you online. And cause, I mean, Josh is a wealth of knowledge on, I mean, Arizona hunting in general, but especially if you're interested in bear and, and uh, bow hunting in general in the state of Arizona, it's pretty pretty awesome stuff. And like you said, all your your platforms. You just put out a video just a couple of weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, it was. I think it, I think that came out in November, if I'm not mistaken. So it's pretty recent. Or late October, late October. Yeah, late October. Yeah. Um, so I, I encourage everybody to go check that out. And uh, I think apart from that, let's get off get off of here and go get warmed up. Yeah, let's do it. Sounds <laughs> good, man. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Josh. All right.